It's series three of the Artists in Residence podcast and we are chuffed to have you with us. Last series we spoke to the likes of It's Nice That Senior Editor, the co-founder of Inner City Swim Club Swim Dem Crew and the filmmaker behind the remake of Christina Aguilera's iconic beautiful music video about what it meant to them to use creativity for good as well as to share real examples of how people are acting on those good ideas and turning them into action. My name is Isabel Wilkinson and I started this project as a way to personally answer some big questions I had about creativity, problem solving, art and who creative opportunities are available to. My goal is to bring people together to share their ideas and work together to drive forward solutions to the big issues affecting people and the planet. When it comes to the hardest questions, consider this your invitation to join the table and create answers, because together we can all be artists in residence. Today's guest is a non-binary video producer, director and editor who loves to work on short films and documentaries. Nelly Rodriguez is also a university lecturer and one of the co-founders of the Trans Creative Collective. I loved chatting with Nelly about their art and their passions for creating, producing and directing. We spoke specifically about Nelly's teaching at BIM, their creative career so far, and some of the unexpected ways that their mission to amplify the voices and stories of the trans and gender non-conforming communities has transformed over time and evolved from short stories and events and most recently into a short film. They've worked with the likes of ITV and Abbey Road Studios and their passion for telling impactful and meaningful stories using storytelling to create change is absolutely infectious. Enjoy. My name is Nelly Rodrigues. I am a non-binary person. So my pronouns are they, them. Um, and I'm a lot of things. I'm a university lecturer I am a filmmaker, I'm a visual producer, a video producer, um, and I just, I like to create. I like to create, produce, direct, all the things. Absolutely, and we'll come on to as many of those things as we have time for. But to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, what does creativity mean to you? For me, it means freedom and also joy. Like obviously in my scope of like teaching, whenever people realize, whenever my students realize that they can do something, because they are, they are pandemic babies, basically. Like they went into the pandemic um, just either as they were entering higher education or um, just before. So like they've had that. So obviously they've had the education interrupted by the pandemic. So a lot of them are so stuck to this like rigorous, like ideology, like I have to fulfill A, B or C. And then the moment that I say to them, you can do whatever you want and I engage them in and meet them where they are, you can see their entire facade towards like me, the module, the learning experience, it changes everything. So that's why I say it creativity to me, it's joy, 100%. I, I love that so much and I, and I feel exactly the same um, when I think about what being creative feels like to me or how I want to express that it's just do it, doing the things that I care about the most and that can take different shapes and forms and, and and I hope will always change so you know you've mentioned all of these things that you're doing but I guess right now what would what format does your kind of creative output take what are, what are you creating right now a lot of things uh as always I've always got something going on and I've always been this kind of person where I'm always gonna have something on the go so right now, um, I'm in talks to produce a couple documentaries. 
Um, one is more like a factual, like expose type, you know, bad landlords. So I'm producing that or in talks to produce that. I'm currently writing the treatment for that um, and working with someone. So I was approached to do this. So that's one. Um, number two is I'm actually editing Just Like Me. I'm doing a re-edit of Just Like Me um, and a re-edit of the Abbey Road Studios documentary because um, I'm actually hosting. I mean, by the time that this podcast would have gone out, the announcement would have gone out. So we are hosting a screening of at least these two films. Um, and the whole scope of the event is, so I'm creating a whole event about it. It's not just the films itself. So I'm editing the films and then I'm kind of like directing the visuals of how I want this event to go. And the event is about, you know, tying in the film to the cause. So my film is about being, you know, black and queer in these spaces. So I kind of want to have an event where we're fundraising for um, queer activists. So we're actually fundraising for Matthew Blaze, who is a queer Nigerian activist. You might have seen them um, on Twitter, you know, going viral during the end SARS protest. So we're tying in like community changing and community, you know, influences to art. So that's something that I'm currently creating. And then I'm also thinking, well, not thinking, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be shooting um, a film in Lisbon in Portugal next summer. Amazing. And so you you've touched on just like me and it's it's what we I guess connected over. Tell us about the film, tell us about the project, what it's all about and I guess what you hope to achieve with it. So Just Like Me is a film where we connect people from the African um diaspora. Um initially it was supposed to be, you know, all black people or black mixed people. Um, and then I found Jesley because I just I wanted a non-binary artist in there. And even though I had it in my mind that I just wanted, you know, black people in this and it was supposed to be about the African diaspora. Um, when I met Jesley, I was like, I need to have your story because Jesley is from the Philippines. So for me, I, it was just it was just important to tell that side of like colonialism and and to, to reconnect Jesley, you know, to, to their homeland. And it was like really cathartic. So. Basically, the way it started out is it started out as a book initially. Um, I did a talk at the university. It's really weird how all these things like connect. First, I joined this feminist group on Facebook in like 2013 because I was lonely and I wanted like friends who were like me. Um, around this time, I knew I was non-binary. So I was like, let me go find out some whatever. Um, I was asked to come to speak based on like my posts on Facebook. So I was invited to speak at the University of Greenwich on a panel about how do we tackle racism in the LGBT community. I met a publisher that worked for, yeah, so I met someone that worked in publishing who was curating an anthology for um, black women who were queer. But I kind of explained to them like, hey, I know I'm assigned female at birth, but I'm actually non-binary and I'm queer. And they're like, that's fine. Just write about that. That's perfect. Because we could talk, we could use that. So we published that book and the editor of it was Lady Phil, um, Lady Phil of UK Black Pride, who's the um, director. And also I think she's the, I, I, I think she's she's in part of the Kaleidoscope Trust. So it wasn't like a small like thing. It was a really big deal to me. And it was my first time being published. Um, and in it, I wrote about how I feel when I'm at home, like I feel at home, like I feel like I can be my true self with my mom and my family. And me coming out has always been very soft. Like it's just been very like inches, like, hey mom, I'm, I'm doing this queer thing. And she's like, oh, why, why are you going to pride? And 
and it never changed like me and her. It's always been like, she knows who I am. I know who she is. It never changed that. So I was like thinking about this. Um, and then I got commissioned to do an LGBT festival. Um, and I just thought like, you know what? This would be really cool if we do like a generational thing. So we have um, everyone ranging from 19 to, to 35 sharing their experiences it's something that I think about a lot is piecing together how projects have come together retrospectively (laughs) and at the time you can make these seemingly you know disparate decisions you know you you join this feminist Facebook group you're exploring your own identity and and then in hindsight you go oh yeah because that's all part of who I am and and that's all formed this journey to to arrive at where you have so I guess you were saying that Just Like Me began as, as a book. How did you move through from that point to the short film that you have now? So, you know what? I actually remember the exact moment where... Um, so basically, the the whole premise of it was we needed to have under-21s involved in this project, um, either behind the camera or on the camera, um, on, on the screen. And first, we initially reached out to a secondary school um because my housemate at the time was a so it was all like my housemate so I have two housemates that were involved my first housemate is a secondary school teacher he teaches French and Spanish so we're like oh cool like we can get we can get these kids involved from you and then we had my second housemate who actually works in the creative industry and she was my director so she helped me like pull everything together um so when we were emailing back and forth to these students to get them involved one of them was like sent me a really nice email it was really long I remember it to this day and I remember like, she was like, I'm so glad that we get to be a part of this um, thing. And I've actually come out, I'm non-binary now, here's my new name. Um, I'm non-binary just like you. And when she said, just like you, I was like, oh my God, that's the title, that's it. So if it wasn't for that secondary school kid, like re- reaching out and like, at that point I was like, oh, this is just a job. I've just been commissioned for it. I'll just make a film, whatever. It wasn't until that point where they said, hey, I'm just like you. I was like, okay, now we've started making a difference. How do we continue making that difference? How do we continue this? And then, you know, we were in my room, like, I don't know, eating Chinese food, flicking through sister. And I was like, I wanna do a film about home. I wanna do a film about home. I wanna do something that everyone can like look at it because although being black and queer, like blackness as, as, a, as a whole entity, it's not a monolith. We have shared experiences, but we don't all experience the same thing. So I wanted to make a film where it was like generational, but also about different cultures. So we have Zabian, who's Caribbean and practicing capoeira, which is traditionally you know, known as Brazilian, but it's actually Angolan. Um, we have Josh, who's black American, but grew up in the UK in America. Um, we have, you know, Alex and 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 Farouk and you know all sorts of different walks of life and ultimately every everyone had the same like premise which is like I want to be loved authentically so we were so we were just sat in that room like flicking through it like how how do we make this happen um and I just kept thinking just like me just like me just like me how am I going to do this and then it all just came together with the creative like honestly it just tied in everything really nicely so, I mean, it sounds like it was quite a smooth process, but looking back... It was not. <laughs> it was, this is what I was wondering. What would you say the biggest challenge was then? Well, for me, I had never made a film at all. 
um, I had made like vlogs. I've made videos. I've made vlogs. Yeah. Um, and I had just been made redundant for my first job at ITV. So I was 26 years old and I, I had graduated from uni. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I had no idea how to apply for a job. I was applying for all these jobs um, and not getting them. Like the most basic internship, I wasn't getting them. And I couldn't afford to just sit and work for free. So I had to work in retail. And then I eventually became a teacher. Um, and then one day I just woke up and I was like, I hate my life and I can't continue. So I quit. And I was, I was really gunning for it now. I was really like pouring my heart into my CVs and cover letters. And I got my job at ITV um, at the start of 2020. And then the pandemic hit. And then I was made redundant at the end. So it was kind of bittersweet. Um, and it was my first time ever holding like a broadcast camera using the FS7, you know, being in this space, feeling like I belonged. Like I really did, I really felt like I belonged in that space on shoot. But I had no idea how a production ran. I, you know, was doing like all the behind the scenes stuff, but it was, I was, it was only, I was only there for like eight months. You know, there's a lot I can learn, but also there wasn't, there was a lot I, I didn't get to learn. For someone out there who's listening, who would like to bring their own idea to life or, you know, that feeling that you've described of waking up and going, this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing and, and feeling a need to change it. I guess from your from your learnings, just like me and, and your career so far, what's your biggest piece of advice for them to take the steps to getting closer to where they do want to be? I'd say use use your discernment, understand that your instinct is the most correct thing out there. Me, I listen to everyone but myself for so long. People would say to me, oh, you're studying a Mickey Mouse degree. They'd belittle what I was doing. Um, they, you know, say I wasn't smart because I chose it. Someone actually said to me, um, or said about me, said that I wasn't smart because I chose to go in the creative industry and then turned around and asked me to help them shoot a podcast. And I just thought that was so interesting that you now you value what I'm doing, but I thought it was a Mickey Mouse degree. I thought it wasn't going to get me a job, but here you are offering me a job. So it was just kind of like using that knowledge of like other people are going to tell you how to fry an egg, but they're not chefs. So let's not listen. Like, I think for me, that moment only happened when I stopped listening to my anxiety as well. Cause I was so scared of being fired, um, but of being from being a teacher, I was so terrified. And then when I realized I was like, they allow so much to happen that they are not gonna get rid of me. They're just gonna make life hard for me. But also I don't care. The moment that I realized I did not care and I was so apathetic and I finally listened to my body and no matter how many times they offered me, you know, oh, we'll give you this role, we'll give you that. I was like, nah, cause I know what you're gonna do cause you've done it. So listening to myself instead of listening to what they are saying to me and offering me all these trinkets, no, 100% no. And look at where I am right now. That was five years ago. I'm in a, I'm filming right now in a uni classroom where I'm teaching. It's insane. And, and so well <laughs> deserved. I love that. They're going to tell you how to fry an egg, but they're not chefs. It's so true. <laughs> so true. So to switch gears a little, um, tell us about the Trans Creative Collective. Yeah, all of that kind of happened at the same time. So to put it in a timeline, um, 
got me redundant around November, December 2020. Um, and then around January, January 2021, I got commissioned for Just Like Me. Um, because of Just Like Me, I was like, right, I'm making films about being non-binary, being queer. I have to come out. I can't let people think that I'm straight, that I'm that I was like, let me just be honest about myself because I've kept it in for so long. So I came out. Because I came out, someone that had worked with me before prior was like, oh, you're a non-binary filmmaker. Great. So then I got commissioned for the Abbey Road Studios um, film. And then, so it was, we were filming a session. So it was for, for Transgender Day of Visibility. And it was a, I was filming a music session with a trans artist, um, trans and gender non-conforming engineers, producers, all of that. Um, and um, so obviously I was, everyone in that room, apart from like the, the managers or whatever, we were all, you know, trans, non-binary. Um, and we were looking around and going, how cool would it be if we could just pick up the phone and go, hey, do you know a trans musician? Like, I feel uncomfortable working in the studio and you can just call people up. So that's how we came up with the idea of the TCC. It was me, Max, Charlie and Jesley sitting in the room with Andrea Dia Giovanni, who's a fantastic pop star, by the way. Um, and we were literally like, let's do this. Let's make this because it doesn't exist. And a lot of the hard work, a lot of the footfall goes towards Charlie because Charlie is tirelessly working. They, they would be on tour and they'll still be answering emails and doing TCC admin, admin, which is insane. So then we came up with this idea that we were going to be, you know, people could come to us if they wanted anything. If they wanted a trans filmmaker, they have us, you know, heading up those departments and making sure that once they go into those jobs, that they can always come back and go, mm, something wasn't right with that company. And then we can go in and go, it's time to sort this out. And we actually, we actually have a consultancy business where we go into businesses and teach them how to treat you know, how to talk, how to treat people, how to change your language. So it's kind of like, you have no excuses now. We have everything for you. All you have to do is just call us up and pay us. That's it. So I'm really proud of everything that we've achieved in the past year. And maybe putting you on the spot, but what's the, what's the one big audacious goal for what you'd like to achieve with the TCC? We could be talking 10 years in the future. I don't know, you know, what's the vision? What's the, what's the thing you'd really like to do? I see us revolutionizing the way that we see art and making it more accessible. And I mean, my audacious dream personally would be to like take it to international, you know, an international scope. I would love to have an office in LA, in New York, because those are the hotspots. Um, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of reality TV. Like I'm obsessed with like the production side of things like Real Housewives of Potomac. I'm obsessed with all of that, Real Housewives of Atlanta. And my audacious dream would be somehow we get involved in like the Hollywood, the New York theater, music. Like we get involved in everything. And like people would just call us up and go, how can we, how can we do this? Like help us TCC. That's my dream. It's a pretty cool dream. Also a big reality TV fan here, so I I, I also appreciate that. <laughs> and so you've you know you've touched again on on your work as a teacher. You're a lead lecturer at the BIMM. What does that look like? What's the day to day like in that role? And I guess yeah, what what topics are you specifically focused on there? 
So I mainly teach video production um, across several modules. So I teach um, a lot of musicians, um, basically how to make themselves look good. I teach them a lot of marketing, you know, tips and tricks and just like, as well as the technical skills. Um, I also teach, so I teach event video production and I teach digital performance. So teaching them how to perform to camera. Um, and I also teach a gaming culture which is a brand new module and it's about the gamification of marketing and about, you know, certain like the psychology of it and all those sorts of things. So there's no real standard. BIM is like Hogwarts. This is the, I honestly, I wish I could have gone to BIM at some point in my life. It is the most inclusive space. I have the best colleagues, like no place is perfect, obviously, but BIM's like jewel in the crown is that BIM has given people like myself opportunities and they've given me free not free reign but they've essentially said look here's what you can do and here's how you're going to inspire these kids and they're so open to me you know we just had a pride event they've asked me to come and speak um you know they, they're asking me to to do all sorts of like creative projects like they've given me more than any than itv have ever given me than 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 global have have given me they've given me global has given me a lot but bim has really cemented like and trusted me with a lot. And it's quite scary because it's a lot of pressure. Um, so my day to day, like it starts with like, you know, I come into the lecture, I introduce myself. Um, my students have uh, a five minute open forum um, where they can discuss anything. If they're feeling a bit low, I kind of go like, so what's up? Like, can we talk about it? I teach them positive redirection, which I think is really important about how, how you interact with one another so for example, if, if I've set them a task that takes 15 minutes and someone has been waffling for five minutes, I teach them how to politely redirect and go, what you're saying is so valid, but we need to move on to the task. Stuff like that. Because I never, I want to recreate the industry. I went into ITV. Um, I had some really, really negative experiences that I never want anyone to ever experience because it put me off TV. I don't ever want a job in TV ever again. Um, because of that one experience of someone, you know, ripping up something in front of me that I, I spent so hard creating. I didn't I didn't like that. So I try really hard to validate the experiences of my students and um, letting them know they could be standing where I'm standing at any point. They can. I don't like the idea of like authoritative teaching, you know, be quiet, do that, sit down, put your head down. No, I, I don't do that. Um and I, th I think I'm very unconventional as a teacher um, and I'm very practical and you can see their faces like with, with the creativity thing, their faces just light up like they're so excited. And I always get the feedback that we can tell that, that my students go, we can tell that you're excited about what you're teaching and it's nothing like we've ever had before. And it's just incredible. It's incredible. And again, coming back to that like definition of creativity for me creativity is joy and it's passion yeah and, and that is what infects other people that's what makes a piece of work like noteworthy is your passion and they can and I mean they're all musicians or in you know they come to uni for a reason if you come across lackluster they're going to give you lackluster work and I feel like when I come to work I always have to no matter how I'm feeling I have to give it my all and I, I've always said this that I feel so privileged that I even get to be their lecturer I take it as such an honor so when I wake up at 6 30 in the morning and I'm on that train 
I, I keep thinking like I'm inspiring the future. And I always say to them, I hope that you do better than me. I hope you actually succeed beyond I do. I really do hope you do. Because it means that I was successful right now today in present time. Please make me make me proud. That's amazing. And, and I think, you know, you just said, you know, you want to change the creative industry. You know, that's no small dream and aspiration, but it's an incredibly worthy one. So it's, inc- it's incredible <laughs> to hear. So, you know, we're all about using creative thinking, you know, using different people's experiences to create solutions to existing problems. So I'd love to know what problem that you're facing is that you'd love to see somebody, you know, you could you could talk to one of your students, somebody out there who you'd like to see them tackle something that could that could help you. What would that be? What solutions are you looking for right now? The, The biggest issue, this is something I've been like, I cry about. A lot like you know you know when you, you you go you go home you take off your 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 jacket and you just like cry out for me it's about people taking me seriously enough always I feel like wherever I go I always have the odds stacked up against me because I'm black and I look young and like because I do that people don't think I know what I'm doing and people don't know what I'm talking about and it's like I have been such a serious person since I was eight years old. That is 21 years of full on studying, educating myself, being serious. I am so on it and I know I am because every time I get on set or I I have a role where I'm directing or something, they will go, they take a step back and go, wow, I was not expecting that. And I'm like, that's my point. Yeah, why were you not expecting that? Yeah. And I've even had it in lesson where um, I brought a male DOP, he's male, he's white, and he's my guest. He's my guest. Um, and my students, you know, I've introduced myself. My my face and my name is on their modules. My face and their name is on the presentation. But they completely ignore me. Some of them did. Ignored me and went straight to asking questions to the male DOP. To which he was, conf- he looked at me kind of confused. Like, what's, why are you asking me questions about your assessment? Your teacher's mm. over there. And it's, it's, it's I, I had to take a step back and look and be like, I need to change the way that they see those things because it's going to influence how they see the world. They're not going to see, you know, black, non-binary, trans people, female presenting people as like executive directors and all that because they don't know mm-hmm. any better. So I'm I'm going to challenge people to try and not let perceptions of how you think a role should be dictate what your what your choice is. I don't look 29. I don't look like I've been, um, you know, on set for the past 10 years or working in cameras or whatever, but I have. Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest problem that I feel like I'm facing. And I think a lot of people are, and a lot of people should do better to challenge that. 